Good afternoon, Laker Nation. Good afternoon. Happy Sunday. Welcome to another episode of The Forum right here on the Grit Sports Network. I'm your host, content creator, and executive producer of this podcast, Patrick L. Brown. And what a very good show we have for you all today. The Lakers are on a two-game winning streak on this five-game road trip in which we've already beat Chicago on Wednesday night. And then we took care of Minnesota on Friday night with AD dominating as he should. This has been an up and down season for AD for the most part. But as I said numerous times, when he's engaged and is moving around and playing on both sides of the floor, AD's the best player on the floor outside of LeBron James coming back from injury. But before we get into all that, make sure you like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Grid Sports Network on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. You can follow us on the social media platforms on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow myself on TikTok at Showtime. Lakers 17 and on Instagram at the form underscore 17. You should see the the new and improved logo. Yes, we are under construction. I revealed my new logo on my Instagram page, so be sure to like that. It's big shout out to my grid teammate and co-founder Barry Grant Jr. and the artist behind the logo for the form. Where it all started. Showtime was birthed out of the form. The late great Kobe Bryant and Shaq. They played their careers at the form. Before moving to Staples Center. And now what is called the Crip. But the form pays homage to. The past. And while we're. Celebrating the present and moving into the future. On today's show we've got. As I said you know the big wins over Chicago. And Minnesota. Is AD going to play tonight versus the Houston Rockets? That hasn't been announced at the moment, but he did roll his ankle uh, in the Minnesota game on Friday night and still managed to finish the game pretty strong with a nice, solid performance. We are currently sitting in the eighth seed in the Western Conference right now in the playing tournament. And it's getting very, very wild, y'all, with, the, with well, less than a week to go in the regular season. No room for error tonight against Houston. I'll preview that game. And as you know, we've already talked about the, the revealing of the new logo, which I just previously, you know, just talked about a few seconds ago. Let me give you my state of the current format of the NBA. I've got a lot to say about that because I'm just, I'm at loss of words on some of the, you know, display that I see on a nightly basis. I'm also going to talk about the 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 2023 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame inductees and who headlines that class. My pick is kind of it's not really a surprise, but I'm going to talk briefly on each of the of the ones that's you know headlining this class. And to close the show out, I will End it with the new CBA deal 
which there's been some hypocrisy that's been, you know, been said over the last few years. And I'm going to defend our division rival, the Golden State Warriors, in this instance, because I I have a lot to say. And as a basketball fan, you want to stick around for that particular segment when we get to near the end of the show. But first, Anthony Davis' two games, which he's dominated on Wednesday night and Friday night. Anthony Davis, ladies and gentlemen, can be as dominant as he wants to be. When he is engaged and locked in on both ends of the floor, nobody can stop him. I've often questioned his motor if you listen to the previous episodes. Some nights you get the the high-powered V12, and then some nights you get the hybrid motor, which is very low and needs to be charged up every so many hours. But in this particular instance, AD has put up a double-double over the last three or four games, I believe. AD has been balling. I believe he finally understands his role in helping his team get where we want to go, which is avoid the playing tournament and get out of it in order to move up the standings. As it stands right now, we're in A seed and we only trail, uh, I think it's Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, we only trail New Orleans by game. And the Clippers are sitting there at 6, Golden State at 5, Phoenix at 4, Sacramento, Memphis, and Denver have all clinched the, uh, the uh, playoff spots. Kind of difficult to believe that first-year head coach Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings has this team in the playoffs for the first time in forever. I don't really care much for Sacramento, but... I don't think any of us expected Sacramento to turn it around in one year with head coach Mike Brown, who was a former coach of the Lakers and is a uh, Steve Kerr disciple on from his coaching tree. Back to the Lakers. This team can go as far as they want. It starts with AD. LeBron's working his way back into the, the field of things. He's going to have a couple of, you know, off shooting nights in this stretch, but we all know it starts and ends with one player, two initials, AD. If AD can continue to play the way he's been playing, I don't believe no team in Denver or Memphis want to see us in the first round. You know why? Because this team is starting to click at the right time. D'Angelo Russell. Can shoot lights out. Malik Be- Beasley can get it going. Dennis Diminish Schroeder. Rui Hachimera. Mo Bamba when he's able to get back on the floor. Jarrett Vanderbilt. I mean we are deep. We just have to. Just keep attacking. We've got to knock down shots. you got to win on both ends of the floor. With the Rod James and AD on the floor, you've got to be able to have reliable shooters who can knock down shots, which we have. 
I believe push comes to shove. AD is the starter and the finisher of whether we get to the postseason or not. I believe our closer, and I've been saying this for the past few episodes, Austin Reeves is the closer for this team. Like I said, I love his motor. I love his competitiveness. I love what he brings to the floor when he's out there. He's not afraid to get to the rim and draw contact. What I am concerned about is Coach Darvin Ham's rotations and his late game executions as far as what's going to work and what's not. Some nights he looks like he's got it together. And then some nights he just doesn't know when to call a timeout when the, the bleeding gets to be too much. I understand he's a first year head coach. But sometimes he looks like he's head above water and holding on for dear life whenever the opposing op- the opposition starts making a run. When we get to the postseason, you can't have that. Because you will be exposed whenever you have to play against, you know, the teams like the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, Sacramento to an extent. You don't want to be in this situation with Phoenix or go to say any any team in the Western Conference playoff field. You do not want this to happen. Now, credit, we got LeBron James on the floor. LeBron is the player coach on the court. And AD... I keep going back to this because this is very crucial and pivotal, Laker Nation. When AD is able to get out of his own way, nobody can stop him. If he's playing soft and doesn't want to go to the rim, that exposes one of his weaknesses. The bigger, the big man, such as a Jokic, will take his lunch money, and then some. We all know that Jokic is one of the best passing bigs in basketball right now. They will they will expose AD for that. But, on the flip side of that, you can attack Jokic in the pick and roll very easily. Whenever we get there, if we could keep this streak going into Houston today, I believe our chances are much greater and moving up the standings versus trying to, you know, get in this, you know, be in the playing tournament. But anything can happen because I don't believe Memphis nor Denver want to see us in the first round. And that's a fact. Memphis doesn't really scare me. Number one, they're a team that talks and they haven't won anything. They've had their fair share of distractions with John Morant off-the-court issues, Dylan Brooks wanting to be Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman 2.0, which he's not. The Nuggets have had their, they kind of tailed off near the end, but Mike Malone's still a fairly good coach. Neither one of these teams, in my humble opinion, are going to go win as the favorites. I would give the slight edge to the Lakers, only because... Two players in LeBron and AD still had to be held accountable on the court for the opposition. 
the ball movement is getting better. I tell you what, when the ball is moving and everybody is locked in and it's flowing, you can knock down shots. You can jump out to leads. But once you start getting lackadaisical with turnovers and missed defensive assignments, that double-digit lead gets evaporated. We have to be engaged on both ends of the floor if we're going to, you know, get out of the first round. If we get a favorable matchup, I would give us all the chances in the world. But it all comes down to AD. AD goes down. We all know LeBron is going to do all he can, but he's not Iron Man like he once he was. Father time waits for no athlete, regardless of what sports you play. But AD, I give him his flowers because he has really took on a majority of the scoring load for the Los Angeles Lakers. I hope that he can keep this going. I hope that he has the same amount of energy and motor as he's had the past two games. And we go into Houston this afternoon and take care of business. Before we head back and to the crypt to play a neutral site game with the the Clippers who are sitting in the sixth seed right now. So hypothetically, well, we've got the Jazz on Tuesday night before we play the Clippers, but the Jazz are kind of holding on for dear life and they're going to try to play spoiler because that's that one team outside of the Portland Trailblazers who have been eliminated that will try to that will be a team in the Lakers way to try to ruin their playoff chances. The Jazz are currently sitting in fourth with a, with a game, a half a game back of the Dallas Mavericks who are sitting in 11th. I believe that game is very, very crucial, just like these next few games. Zero room for error for the Los Angeles Lakers. Zero. Any loss between now and next Sunday with the conclusion of the end of the regular season is detrimental. It puts a big ding into the resurgence of a season upon making the acquisitions of Malik Beasley, Ruri Hachimera, uh, Mo Bamba, and you know, just trying to find footing. We need this win. Every win matters, Laker Nation. Every win matters. If AD could give me 35 and 15, I'm good. Anything less than 30 points and we lose, it's it's an appetite for disaster. The Houston Rockets have nothing to play for today. Nothing. They're eliminated from the playoff contention. But they beat us not too long ago. And it was an embarrassing loss. I want the Lakers to succeed just as much as anybody. We dug ourselves out of this hole. And the only way to go, only place to go is up. We've got to be engaged. We have to be all hands on deck. That starts from the opening tip to the very last second. 48 minutes of basketball. You do not take a few minutes off to allow your opposition to get back in the game. Once you do that, you're in trouble. As we've seen, 
48 minutes, Laker Nation. 48 minutes from here on out. The rest of the, the next, these next three or four games, we've got to stay together. We have to. We've got to stay together. Guys need to rally around one another. When one player has it going, keep feeding them. When another player is contributing and give you those those minutes and those points off the off the bench, roll with it. We need everybody to contribute. Because one of the two star players goes down. We still got role players that are capable of getting hot. Austin Reeves, D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Riha Chimera. I may be forgetting a, a player or two here or there. But those are the ones that come to my mind anytime AD and LeBron are out. You've got to find your, your rotation. You've got to have that second unit ready to roll on any given night because when you get when those guys are firing on all cylinders nobody can beat us nobody how bad does this team want it moving forward it's not time to waste opportunities zero room for error moving forward moving on to ad's ankle injury which he suffered uh, Friday night in uh, Minnesota, he rolled his ankle. He went went to the bench for a little bit, walked off with his own power, came back in the game. Mob of mentality. He played through it. That's the AD we need to see. That's the AD that we were hoping for upon trading for him back in the summer of 2019. This is the AD that can take us where we want to go. It starts with him. He's one of he's a top 75 player and a champion. He plays like he's a top 7 player in the league as he's been the last two games. He also gives you those nights where he's a top 100. He's not engaged, he's settling for the jump shot, he's getting hacked at the rim and he's missing free throws. That AD can't show up whenever we need him. We need him to be all in. I've said it numerous times, and I'm going to keep saying it. High motor on any given night, and you got the hybrid motor. You got the hybrid engine that needs to be charged up, and then you have the V12 that runs on premium unleaded gasoline and he can go until he has to go and get another round of fuel AD has to be in he has to be the focal point and he's got to be able to move around without the basketball whenever he can anchor the defense the offense is going to come that's not the problem but when he gets in foul trouble and starts overthinking a whole lot of things, being a, a procrastinator, AD becomes froze. He goes from being 6'11", and he just looks like a statue. He just freezes. There's no movement, and he doesn't know which way to go. He gets stuck in the thick of things. But it has not been announced if he's going to play today or not in Houston 
which I do plan on listening to on the Lakers app when it when the game comes on at it'll be six o'clock Central Time, which would be four o'clock out on the West Coast. The game will be on the, the Spectrum Network, or if you've got the Lakers app on your on your uh, mobile devices, uh, be sure to tap into that whenever you get the uh, the game start alert. But AD, we're going to need you. I don't know the severity of the ankle injury. You know that's something he's battled. Wrong place, wrong time with freak injuries. But hopefully the you know the swelling, whatever went down, and he's able to give it a a go this afternoon. But I'm surely it'll be announced prior to pregame if he's playing tonight or not. But if he's not, LeBron James is still out there. And LeBron can still take over a game when he wants to as well. Because every game for here on now, as I keep saying, every game matters. Moving on to the current playoff standings as it stands in the Western Conference. Number one seed, Denver. They've already clinched the Northwest Division. Number two, the Memphis Grizzlies. They've clinched the Southwest Division. Three seed, Sacramento. They have clinched the playoff berth, but they have not clinched the Pacific Division. Four seed, Phoenix Suns. Five, Golden State Warriors. Six seed, the Clippers, 7th seed, the Pelicans, 8th seed, the Lakers, ninth Minnesota, and 10, Oklahoma City. Teams that are still alive right now, the Dallas Mavericks at 11 and Utah at 12. Ladies and gentlemen, Laker Nation, if you look at these standings from seeds Four all the way down to 10th. That's roughly four games. Seeds four through six, a half a game. Seventh and eighth, half a game. It's getting really tight. These bottom two teams and, and the, the, the Timberwolves and the Thunder... They could put together a little streak and they're going to jump one way or another. But we have to take care of business on our end. We can't worry about what other teams are doing that are trying to get into the playing tournament. This is not the time to sit back and get comfortable because you're on a two-game win streak. Zero room for error. Zero. It's not time to Say, well, we're we're gonna take this night off against this team because, you know, they're 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 uh, you're just uh, another opponent. The Houston Rockets don't care about their record. They know the Lakers are trying to get into the play a tournament and make a postseason push. They're one of those teams that can play spoiler. Any loss over the next week or so is bad. It's really bad. And LeBron James will not take that very lightly because he knows he's done all he could this season to make sure that he's been available for the Lakers. He's coming off of the foot injury, missed two weeks. AD's been in and out of the lineup. 
and when your two stars have been in and out of the lineup, it's difficult for the other guys to find their role and their niche. LeBron James at age 38 can still put up 30 plus points. 30 plus points. But with the the, revi- the rejuvenation of the youth and being off for two weeks, he's starting to get his rhythm back. That's the LeBron that we need. But these other guys, if we could get, you know, 10, 15, you know, 20 points from our role players, LeBron doesn't have to score over 30 points. But he knows it's go time. This is his mindset. It's his mindset near the every single year. Regardless of the circumstances of where his teams are at, he goes out there and plays as much as he can while he can and just live with the results. This is not too often that I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. LeBron James, at this advanced stage of his career, is still considered, in my humble opinion, a top seven player in the league right now. And you may ask, why top seven? Number one, the man can still go out there and give you 25, 8, and 7, and near triple-double. Yes, he's played a lot of minutes. But when LeBron's feeling it, the jump shot's falling, he's knocking down the three, he's getting helping you get defensive stops, he's still that guy that can do that. At age 38, I don't know too many players over the course of the NBA at age 38 that has done what LeBron has done for this for 20 for 20 seasons. It's difficult to do. LeBron James is one of those players who puts a lot into his body in the offseason. He invests in his body, nutrition, uh, healing practices, whatever he needs to do to be available for his teams. He's done that. He's been the beneficiary of nutrition and sports science throughout 20 seasons. If other players would take that initiative, it would extend their careers. That is a plus for any athlete that's coming up in the NBA. Take care of your body. Physically and mentally, emotionally. There are some injuries that you can avoid if you take care of your body. Because there are some players right now who are starting to look like a shell of themselves. One of them being Nets star guard forward, Ben Simmons. That is a subject for another day, another time. But I'm going to stick with LeBron and what he's meant to this team. LeBron has been up and down. It's been a rocky tenure in L.A. LeBron has been the face of the franchise. And Laker Nation, we should be happy that LeBron chose the Lakers. You may say, well, he came to Hollywood to make movies. He didn't care about championships. Well, he delivered a title in 2020 in the bubble. In the midst of a pandemic. And how we started the year off with losing... The late, great Kobe Bean Bryant and his beautiful daughter Gianna and the other passengers of the helicopter who were perished as well. 
and everything that was going on. LeBron has been a, a Laker since he arrived. You may question a lot of things about him, but one thing you can never question him is his commitment to the game of basketball and to his team. I'll touch briefly on LeBron and his accomplishments on another day. But Laker Nation, appreciate LeBron James. Appreciate him. Because when it's all said and done, the NBA will not be the same without one LeBron James. The media could continue to paint this narrative about him as, you know, is he the GOAT and whatnot? I would save my thought for that for another day as well. Because I think there's going to be some more discussions we're going to have. But as we move into this final week, I'm going to segue into my next topic. No room for error from here on out. LeBron knows it. AD knows it. Any player on that team, coach, they know this is it. It's now or never. LeBron were to miss the playoffs for the second straight year. He is going to be the blame for it. Well, LeBron wasn't healthy. Well, you got to look at AD as well. AD was in and out of the lineup. We were hot, lukewarm, and then we were cold. We had some good games. We had some bad games. We had some good wins. Had some terrible losses. But from here on out, there's zero room for error. The organization knows it. Players know it. We as fans know that. Anything short of an NBA championship is a season of disappointment for us. We all know that. It's tough. It feels like an eternity since we won the last championship in 2020. Moving forward, I do believe push comes to shove. I just hope that we can find a, a plan and put it in place to preserve preserve LeBron for when the for next season. He's gonna do all he can to get his mind and his body right. I believe AD should take the same initiative. You're in your prime, AD, and it feels like you don't take the offseason seriously. You could go work on your. You could go work with lethal shooter, a shooting coach, but it starts with the mind. Your mind, your body can't function without a healthy mind. Putting in the offseason work, hitting the weight room, studying film. This goes for everybody. How serious are we about winning championships? Because LeBron doesn't have but maybe another good year or two left. Because we already know he wants to play with his son, Bronny, before, before he retires. That is the number one priority on his list outside of delivering another championship for the Lakers. He wants to play with Bronny. Please, Laker Nation, enjoy LeBron while we have him. Enjoy him. I have been a LeBron James fan since his days at St. Vincent St. Mary's. I've seen this young man go from teenage prodigy being on the cover of 
Sports Illustrated at 16, labeled the chosen one. From the time he was 16 all the way up to now, he's been under a microscope in the social media era. Anything he says or does, people want to hold against him. His shortcomings on the basketball court. And then what he does off the court, it kind of is like, yeah, well, you know, that's good, but we're judging him what he does on the court. We can look at the finals record and you kind of throw that out the window. Because at the end of the day, his greatest legacy is the I Promise Foundation. I Promise is his biggest legacy. Not what he done on the court, but how he's impacted the game off the court. But as we go into the final week of this regular season, every game matters no excuses no finger pointing no deflating at each other every game matters moving on to the state of the nba and the display that's been on the court every night it's it's been little to be desired in all honesty, I can remember a time when teams were physical. I remember an era where guys, you know, they jawed at one another. But in today's league, you jaw one too many times as a technical. Every simple ticky-tack foul is unwarranted. I'm tired of turning on the television, watching highlights, and I understand you want to score a lot of points. The goal of basketball is to score as many points you can and win. But when you don't play defense, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with teams that, well, let's go out and shoot a bunch of three-pointers. Every night. First of all. Every team is not Golden State. Not every players. Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Both of those guys are. Remarkable talents. That we have in our league. But it's gotten to a point where. It's almost. I I miss the 80's. In the 90's era of basketball. Laker Nation. I miss that. And my younger listeners, if you're listening, please don't take this to heart. Please don't. I was born in an era in 1986 at the peak of the Lakers and Celtics rivalry. Showtime and Beantown. Magic. Kareem. Big Game James Worthy. Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, Kurt Rambis, Jamal Wilkes, Byron Scott. The man that had the bet was the best dressed coach in the NBA, Pat Riley in his Armani suits, going up against the likes of the Detroit Pistons, very physical team. They played football on the court. Uh, the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan, who was taking the league by storm. One of my favorite 
uh, all-time old school players and Dr. J, Julius Irvin with the 76ers. And of course, the Boston Celtics, our, our, our rival for a number of years dating back to the days of Bill Russell, the late Bill Russell, the greatest champion of them all, going up against Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, and those Lakers teams in the in the 60s. I miss that era where teams were physical. You could not get an in a you couldn't get a flagrant foul. It'd be a technical foul, but not a flagrant. Guys went out there and competed every night. Magic and Bird were the best two players on the court. MJ was the best player on the court. We transitioned out of the 80s with the end of the Bad Boy Pistons. Showtime had had its run after they lost to the Bulls in 91, in which MJ won his first title. The Bulls dominated the 90s. It was still very physical. Guys feared MJ. The Lakers and Celtics feared one another because they knew it was going to be an old-fashioned bar fight by the time the game was over. Yeah, they all shook hands to start the game. But once that adrenaline and competitive nature set in, it got ugly real quick. That's the NBA that I miss. I understand this is league today in this era is social media. Everybody wants to be friends with one another. I get that. But when you're on the court, you should compete. Kobe, as great as he was, didn't have a whole lot of friends. He had that assassin's mentality. He wanted to beat you. He wanted you to reconsider your basketball career. A student of the game. That's what I miss about this is this is the state of the NBA which you're in right now. Guys are too concerned about their notoriety on social media versus becoming better players. We have been hearing about ring culture over the last few weeks. Portland Trailblazers star Damian Lillard talked about you know, being a great player, and we put so much emphasis on rings. Joel Embiid just made a statement about, you know, having a ring. I'll put it to you like this. Regardless of what sport you play, winning championships is the ultimate goal. There have been great players in the history of sports that don't have championships. They were great players, had all-star appearances, league MVPs, and whatnot. But they don't have championships. Does that discredit him for not winning a championship? I don't believe it doesn't. But when you come into a sport and you are a great player, that should be your aspirations. You should play every night like it's a game seven. You should go out and compete. Lead your team to victory. That's what makes you a great player. Be a great leader. A great ambassador for your sport. And in this instance. Basketball. LeBron James. Has been the face of the league. For over for 20 seasons. 
he came into the league with under a microscope. The expectations of can he lead his former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, to the promised land. It was shortcomings. A lot of failures. Had a lot of good days. And they had some bad days. Sometimes you got to leave what's comfortable to become uncomfortable. That's what LeBron did. And whenever you, I hear people say, bring up this notion about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant went and joined a team that had beat him in 2016 in the Western Conference Finals. Went and joined the Warriors, coming off 73 wins and a finals loss to the eventual champion, Cleveland Cavaliers, who pulled off the unthinkable and came back from a 3-1 deficit, including a, a, a finals game to remember in Game 7, which was the block seen around the world. Kyrie hitting the shot in Steph Curry's face. And Kevin Love getting the stop, which nobody talks about. Being a great player in this league comes with responsibility. There's a lot of expectations. State of the NBA and where we're at right now is almost feeling like a, a, a generation to come that's it's more about notoriety and on your social media platforms. Just just think for a second. If there were no social media. We didn't have smartphones and all, all these devices. You look at the game's greatest players in the NBA. You know your Magics and Bird and uh, MJ, Kobe, Charles Barkley. All the greats who were sensational what would their career have been like with social media think about that for a second Michael Jordan the most scrutinized athlete outside of LeBron James made headlines for gambling it was like I mean if he wants to you know go to Atlantic City and whatnot that's his business but he was the best player in the world, and that made headlines during the middle of a playoff for in the middle of their third title run in 93. It was a mess. People questioned his commitment to the team, and was he serious about winning, capturing a three-peat, which had never been done. Michael Jordan, the greatest player who ever walked on God's green earth, should have been able to do what he wanted. But every little little thing he done. Was chastised by. The sports media. The national media. Without social media. Newspapers. Talk radio shows. Sports shows. All of that. Criticized and critiqued Michael Jordan. The NBA then. Was. Popular. Because of one player. Michael Jordan. You had your bigs like Shaq, David Robinson, Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, you know Larry Johnson for that ex for that little bit of time, uh, Tim Hardaway, Chris Webber. I could go on and on and on. The '90s was beautiful basketball. The NBA was in a great place. But when 
MJ walked away, the league wasn't as popular because they didn't have its most popular player. Credit, then there was no social media. The ratings didn't really take a dip, but when you have a league that was strict and everybody walked the chalk line, everybody knew their expectations. Now we live in the social media era when everything is publicized on blogs and everything else under the sun. The NBA then, I miss compared to the NBA that I watch now. I see no defense and I see a lot of a lot of points being scored. It's easy we could go out and score 60 points and there's no defense. I mean, you could miss a few shots here and there, but I'm not taking away the skill set of the NBA right now from these players because they are some sensational scores. I'm just saying I miss my era in which I grew up in. The physicality, the rivalries, all that which made the NBA great. I'm not taking away what we what we're witnessing right now. But it's also become more of a how do I put this? It's more I think about the fans who spend their hard earned money for hotel, you know, fare, airfare, fuel, and pay money for the tickets. They want to go see their favorite player, their favorite team. And they get there and find out that their favorite player is not playing. I think about that because it's like, damn. I spent all that money and I don't get to see my favorite player. I can see my team, but I don't get to see the player that I wanted to see. You know, I got his jersey. I got the sneakers. And he's not playing for whatever reason. I understand load management on a back-to-back. But I feel sorry for the families that travel or to you know to the road games or if you're in the Western Conference that you play a game in, in the Eastern Conference, you only play that team one time on a road trip and then they come to you. I can remember I went to see the Lakers and the Pacers here in my location. I got to see the late great Kobe Bryant. And Shaq. In high school. I still have my number 8. Kobe jersey in the gold. When Nike made him the first time around. It was. It was a blessing to see. You know. Get to experience my first NBA game. At the old. Um, Casico Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. I get to see Reggie Miller. And Jermaine O'Neal. Along with my. my with the Lakers. And I thought to myself, it's like, I, it was a fun experience. You see your favorite players. You see your team. You get to enjoy the, the sights and scenes of being around other fans in, in the arena. But one thing that I didn't take for granted that night is that the players went out and played their tails off. Now, credit, players get hurt. And teams have to do what's best for their, their star players and whatnot. 
But I remember a time when MJ played all 82 games. Kobe, Magic, Bird. These guys gave it their all. They played through injury. Even though some of them today would say they would rather, if they could go back and do it all over again, they probably said they still go out there and play because they loved the game. They loved the competition that was instilled in them. They had to earn everything. There was no social media. Games were on tape delay before we went live. That's something I give David Stern credit for is get putting the games live. You think about all the networks that have the deal, the you know, the TV deals. ABC, ESPN, NBA TV, TNT, all these networks. And you've heard on multiple occasions the great Charles Barkley he made a he made a joke uh, a few you know few weeks ago well probably middle of the season and I believe he said you know the lake it was a Lakers game he said that they're he said they're making us watch the Lakers and they're not even playing good basketball right now but we have to watch them I kind of chuckled at the time because. Charles was right. Charles Barkley was right. That was one thing that I agreed with him on. And Shaq being the, the personality that he is, agreed. If I if I can if I can remember, I think he agreed. And and I and it got me thinking. Those guys played in the era with MJ. That's the player you feared. That's the player you wanted to beat. Players today don't really fear one another. And I believe that's kind of a... It's not a ding to their skill set. But it's a ding to the overall persona. If truth be told... I think when LeBron was starting to scratch the surface... The Boston Celtics went out and put a team together to stop LeBron. In December 2007. In which they won a championship in 2008. The league was transitioning. LeBron had just took the cast to the finals. Kobe was at a crossroads in his career. Paul Pierce was probably the third or fourth best player in the league. And they and Danny H put together Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. To form a big three in Boston. That team beat our Lakers in 2008 with the acquisition of Pau Gasol. It was crazy. That's when I think the fear was still there that the teams feared LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. The two best players in the league. And then as we transition into the early 2000, uh, the mid-2000s, everybody was still feared LeBron James. Reason being... When he went to Miami, everybody was like, okay, LeBron's going to Miami. Okay, we're going to build a team that could be physical with, with the Miami Heat. Be physical with LeBron. Can you not tell me that that was still fear? You talk about fear and players. Opposition still fear LeBron James. But they knew how to get to him mentally. You couldn't beat him physically because he's too big and too strong. But they got to him mentally. I still say to this very day, 
mark my words, that the league still, that there were some teams that still fear LeBron James. I could be wrong, but I'll admit that I'm wrong. If somebody quotes it and say, yeah, nobody fear LeBron because there's been a lot of talk about that. I do believe in my heart of hearts, if LeBron, if everybody was afraid of LeBron after he won the championship in 2016 beating the Warriors, why did Kevin Durant go join the Golden State Warriors? Were the Warriors not afraid of LeBron James? Because if that was if that were the case, that same team could have went back and got redemption on LeBron without KD. KD joins the Warriors. The rest is history. That was arguably the best team, in my humble opinion, in 2017 was the Golden State Warriors. Offensively, defensively. Will you add the second best player in the league on your team. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. We all knew there was going to be Cavs and Warriors in the finals, one way or another. These two teams semi-feared one another, one more than the other. You can ask either fan base of Cleveland and Golden State. Dub Nation would say they weren't afraid of LeBron, but in the back of their mind, they knew what LeBron was capable of. They had Kevin Durant, Cleveland had LeBron. Now, you can argue the the Warriors team was better than their predecessor in 2016. I'll give you that. But when you add Kevin Durant, yes, the Warriors were expected to win. But in the back of their minds, they still had to figure out a way to take down LeBron James. Kyrie Irving was on that squad as well. Kevin Love. J.R. Smith was still there. Mon Shumpert. Ty Lue was still the head coach. You can't sit here and tell me that these teams wanted to take each other out one by one, player by player. The two best players on each team, one being Kevin Durant, LeBron James for Cleveland, and then it was everybody else. Fear still resonated at both of those teams' minds about their opposition. That's what I miss about today's NBA. Players don't fear one another. It's more like, I'm a fanboy. You're going to get your shots. But I'm the new kid on the block. Sometimes the master has to teach the, the protege and show him the way. 
That's what I miss as well. MJ taking Kobe under his wings, showing him the ropes, how to be a great player. Magic and Bird, they had a pretty strong friendship off the court, but they were tense competitors on the court. Those guys in that era, they can sit in, a, in the same room together and they can reminisce about their, their battles against one another. They had their fun. They competed. They beat the hell out of each other on the court because that's the way the league was. They wanted to beat you with everything that they had, even if it meant hurting them to a degree. We see that today on the court. Players are getting suspended. Players are getting kicked out of the league. Players then. Hey. We uh, we can still play. But it was a, they sent the message. We, they sent the message. The Bad Boy Pistons era ended. Whenever Michael Jordan finally got pissed off. And just said. I'm tired of getting beat up. I'm going to deliver contact. You can't tell me that the Pistons didn't fear Michael Jordan. They feared him because they knew once he went up in the air, he wasn't coming down. That's why they had to ground him. They beat the hell out of him to a point where nobody else in that team was going to beat them. Anybody on the team can beat us, but if we could take away number 23, we got him. That was the Pistons mentality. Whatever it takes, even if it meant hurting the best player in the entire league. Not to say that the league should transition back to that, but I want to see some physicality. I want players to fear one another. I want that tense, those tense moments. We like our big shots. We like all that. But I miss the intensity of the game itself. That's what I miss. The state of the NBA today is not what it was 30 years ago in which I grew up watching. There's a lot of Money on the court, and there's money being thrown away off the court. One thing I do give the late David Stern, the former commissioner, God bless his soul, what I do give him credit for. A lot of stuff that's going on in the league now with players off the court, that wouldn't have happened on David Stern's watch. It wouldn't have, because he would have had a heart-to-heart talk. He would have suspended you and left it at that. David Stern meant business. Adam Silver, as great of a commissioner he is, there's certain aspects of off-the-court stuff he hasn't been able to really, really address yet. One of the biggest things he's done since he's been commissioner is removing Donald Sterling from ownership of the Clippers. When he first, no sooner he got into office, that was his first order of business after the whole expose came out about what was going on with the, the you know his comments and racial you know stuff about Magic Johnson and, and all this other stuff. He did the right by the league, but some of this off the court stuff with these players wouldn't have happened with the late great David David Stern. The state of the NBA it needs to improve. The talent on the court is is good, but it feels like we've got a bunch of kids, man. A bunch of kids. When the great players of LeBron, KD, uh, Steph, whenever that era is off the court and retires, nothing but kids. Giannis, 
has right now. Jokic, Embiid. We've got the guys that can be faces of the league, but a majority of it is college kids coming into the league, man. It's it's kind of scary because these are 19, 20-year-old kids who are not ready to be faces of franchises. They're not ready for that responsibility. They're not ready for it. The only player that's coming up right now within the next couple years that's going to take the league and be one of the faces of the league is Bronny James. Bronny is going to be the face of the NBA before it's all said and done. He will have a lot to follow and live up to in the expectations of being the son of his father, LeBron James. A lot of expectations are going to come with that. But right now, the state of the NBA, I wish it were better. I know I sound like the the old man on the lawn who don't like kids walking on it. But I just had to get that off my chest. Because that's how I feel right now about the state of the NBA. Moving on to our la- uh, second to last topic of the day. Is the 2023 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Some of the inductees include Dirk Nowitzki, 2011 Finals MVP, Dwayne Wade, three-time NBA champion of the Miami Heat, Tony Parker, who was one of the more better point guards in his era at his position, you know, was the recipient of playing in San Antonio with his head coach who is going into the Hall of Fame and uh, Greg Popovich. Uh, Pal Gasol, two-time NBA champion who recently just had his jersey retired and lifted into the rafters at the crypt next to late great Kobe Bryant's. And Becky Hammond, who was a tutelage under Greg Popovich of San Antonio, who's coming off of a WNBA championship as head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. Shout out to the Aces. Go Jackie. Young, AJ, uh, Asia Wilson. And welcome to the Aces. Candace Parker. Welcome, Candace. Welcome to the Aces. But the player that headlines this class, in my humble opinion, as a as a fan of basketball and someone who's been watching it since the eight the, the end of the Showtime era into the Jordan era in the nineties. The player to me that headlines this this and these the nominees and the inductees is Dwayne Wade. Now Laker Nation before you ostracize me and and say how come I didn't select Pal. Dwayne Wade came in to the league after that Final Four run with Marquette. He was the fifth pick overall by the Miami Heat. And he went into an organization that was well run. Pat Riley, former Laker head coach and who was the architect behind the Showtime Lakers in the 80s. Dwayne Wade left his mark in the NBA or we started to see his the best D-Wade 
was in the 2006 NBA Finals. He was the leader of that Miami Heat team upon the acquisition of Shaq in the summer of 2005. Or 2004, I should say. It's either 2003 or 2004 when Shaq went to Miami. Shaq played his role, but he let Dwayne Wade lead. It was his team. The Miami Heat were down 2-0 to the Mavericks. They won four straight. Dwayne Wade was the finals MVP in 2006. Dwayne Wade, in his career general, you take away the, the knee injuries and the shoulder injury, Dwayne Wade's career could have been extended. Credit, he led the Heat to the playoffs, but he was getting knocked out in the first round, which led to him recruiting LeBron James and Chris Bosh to join forces with him in Miami in summer of 2010. Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are best friends. They are best friends and they've been best friends for as long as I can remember since they linked up in 2003. And Dwayne Wade is the player that you would want in your franchise. He understood what it took to be a champion. He led a team to the NBA Finals. Upon losing that Finals in 2011 to another uh, NBA uh, Basketball Hall of Fame inductee, Dirk Nowitzki, he gave the keys to the car to LeBron James. LeBron James led the way. Back-to-back NBA Finals appearances, and they added two more with it in 2012 and 2013. Dwayne Wade, in my humble opinion, is one of the best blocking two guards this league has ever seen. Dwayne Wade was clutch, in all honesty. I can still remember some of his some of his greatest moments. Dwayne Wade played through the agony and pain on most nights that people didn't know about. During the title run in 2012, the man had to have his knee drained between games to avoid swelling, just to get on the court. LeBron James carried those Heat teams with an ailing Dwayne Wade, but D-Wade still fought through it. He wanted to be out there with his his brother and partner, LeBron James, it took a lot out of him to it had to it took a lot of him to say, you know what? I can't lead this team, Braun. Wherever we're trying to go, you have to lead us. And LeBron did just that. How many players on teams today can say they'll give the keys to the franchise to another star player to take them to where they want to go, which is an NBA championship? Dwayne Wade was a great ambassador for the league. Multiple time all-star. He's great on TV. He's he's everything you would want in a franchise player. He's a great father. He's got a beautiful wife and Gabrielle Union. Wonderful kids, and and we're seeing he's enjoying the best the second half of the second uh, aspect of his career, which is fatherhood and being an entrepreneur. Dwayne Wade is still connected very strongly to the Miami Heat organization. 
you can't mention the Miami Heat without saying Dwayne Wade. I congratulate him and the other inductees on the 2023 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and their and their rightful places. The other the inductees that's on this list, job well done. I think it's any player's dream come true to get that call to the Hall of Fame in their respective sport. But that's the that is the player to me that headlines the 23 uh, Naismith Hall of Fame inductees is Dwayne Wade. Three-time champion, finals MVP, multiple-time All-Star. And one thing I wish Pat Riley would have done for D. Wade after LeBron left was, you know, go ahead and give him, you should have gave him that long-term deal that he wanted. But there was consensus of, okay, you knew the injuries were catching up with him. Chris Bosh was given the keys to the franchise to you know lead the team. Chris Bosh's career was cut short due to a health issue. There was a little bit of strife for D. Wade in Miami for just a short period of time, but he was able to go back and finish his career in a Miami Heat uniform after going to Chicago, Cleveland, and then back to Miami to finish it out. Dwayne Wade is an all-time great, in my humble opinion. Top 75 player. To be in the Hall of Fame is a testament to his career. He will have a statue outside of the uh, the Miami Heat arena. Maybe to be inside, but I believe he the Miami Heat wouldn't be where they're at without Dwayne Wade being, you know, the face of that franchise. They've been through a lot. Dwayne Wade has been under, you know, probably underappreciated as a superstar. But I give him his flowers as a basketball fan to say thank you, Dwayne Wade, for all that you've done for the game of basketball and continue much success in your business endeavors and nothing but love from a Lakers fan. And Pat Riley being one of my all-time favorite coaches outside of Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson. Pat Riley built that team, built that culture. Dwayne Wade was the recipient of that to understand hard work and how what it took to be a great player under the tutelage of one Pat Riley. That is all the time I have for today's episode of The Forum. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to The Grid Network right here on your podcasting app. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube and all social media platforms. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. We are expanding. We are growing. And we are building this thing from the ground up. You can't say that I didn't tell you ahead of time. If you don't subscribe, shout out to all of my grid teammates over at the grid. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the brotherhood and the friendships that we're building through this network. I greatly appreciate it and the best is yet to come. 
A lot of content is coming, ladies and gentlemen. So please take a couple seconds and subscribe to The Grid. You will not be disappointed whatsoever. We've got multi-sports shows. We've got baseballs underway. Um, The NBA postseason is upon us. Um, We've got a lot of content creators over there who are doing phenomenal work and phenomenal content. Please, please take time out of your day to subscribe to it. Because if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. You better you better put your name on the list and get that exclusive content from the grid. That is all for today. Be sure that you tune in for the next episode of The Forum, a Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Be sure you stay safe. Please stay safe. The weather has been crazy. And we're only in the second day of April. We've already had severe storms and and tornadoes in the the south, in the Gulf, and even here in the Midwest. Please take care of your mental, physical, emotional, intimate, and physical health. Stay safe. Tell someone you love them. And if nobody told you today, I love you. Be safe. Stay encouraged. And I'll leave you with this. Lake Show, let's go. Until next time, Laker Nation, this is Patrick Brown signing off. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be sure to watch the Lakers game on television. If you've got your mobile device, listen to it, the the play-by-play on the radio. This is Patrick L. Brown signing off. Lake Show, let's go. The form where it all started. Until next time, everybody. Peace out. almost forgot I forgot to cover a topic that I had mentioned to prior to starting the show I want to talk about the new CBA that's been um, has been agreed upon for the next several years and I want to defend the Golden State Warriors I just now thought about this as I was going back and going back over my notes and forgot to talk about this the Golden State Warriors, Laker Nation, have been one of the stalwarts of drafting and developing players. It appears that the league is in their feelings about this whole um, success rate that the Golden State Warriors have had in the luxury tax. It's not their problem that they have drafted Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, 
and they've had some key role players throughout their uh, success over the last decade or so. It feels like to me that they don't want to see the Warriors be successful and go deep into the luxury tax. I have a problem with that because as a basketball fan, it's not Golden State's fault that they've drafted well and they've done everything right and said helping their players succeed. They've got great ownership in uh, Joe Lacob and Bob Myers being the GM. They've done exceptionally well. Now it feels like they're they're wanting to be they're going to punish him. I say this: the blueprint to building your team hasn't changed. Your scouting department and your personnel department are the ones who help orchestrate and build the team. They can't help because they have a great coach in Steve Kerr. They produced quality and all-star players. It's not their fault that they've got one of two of the greatest shooters of all time in Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. These guys are future Battle Hall of Famers. And they're only going to get better as the pipeline goes further. They've been the recipients of maintaining success, even with a down season in 2020 and in 2021, and then before they finally broke through again and won the NBA championship in 2022. This team has been very successful. I stand with the Golden State Warriors on this on this one because I don't think it's fair what the league is trying to do to them. I understand collective bargaining and all that, but I don't think you should single out the the Warriors and for their success. What about the teams that have tanked over the last few years to be lottery pick teams? There hasn't been much said about that when Oklahoma City, Orlando, and Houston, just to name three of those teams, they're in the lottery picks every year. They're in the top three, top four. But we want to punish the Golden State Warriors for their success. I was going to say this earlier during the show, but getting caught up in the state of the NBA got me off track a little bit. And I, and I apologize for for that, adding this particular segment at the very end of the show. Nevertheless, I want Warriors fans to know as a Lakers fan, I applaud your success and what you've been able to maintain. As a Lakers fan, I kind of I'm kind of jealous of it, but you've got a wonderful ownership group. I wish the Lakers would take note and build, draft, and develop players. We've had the players, but we haven't developed them. We've shipped them out in order to, you know, compete for championships. And I get that. But when I look at the guys that we had in recent memory. Brandon Ingram has turned into an all-star and he's playing fairly well in New Orleans. We see what Julius Randle's doing in New York. And we see Josh Hart and what he's doing. And the one player I hope and pray that his career is not over is Lonzo Balls. 
I hope that he is able to continue his career. But knee injuries are one that you really can't get away from. But I say this to say this, um, Dub Nation. Continue success. However you do it. You draft really well. You develop your players. And you add a couple players here and there via trade or free agency. You've done it the right way. And I applaud you. I stand with you on that. You have a great fan base. You have a beautiful Chase Center in San Francisco. It's a beautiful arena. As a Lakers fan, even though you're our division rivals, I hope and pray that you will continue to lead by example and be the gold standard in building your team the right way and drafting and developing your players. I wanted to get that out of the way. I meant to do that during the show, but after going back and editing and whatnot, I forgot to talk about this, but I wanted to make sure I got this included in the show as described on the uh, on the podcast uh, information in the bio and all that stuff for today's show. I'm going to get out of here, but I just wanted to get that off my chest because I got caught up in the state of the NBA and, and how that's going, but you're more than welcome to go back and listen to that, to that particular passionate segment. Signing off once again, y'all be safe out there. Peace out.